I'm Kyle Rice, awful test taker turned physical therapist and standardized test coach for over 5,000 physical therapists worldwide. It wasn't that long ago that I struggled with anxiety, lack of confidence, and the fear of failing the NPTE. Fast forward through the challenges, the 13 standardized test failures, and many lessons learned, and you'll see the life I have today, a life filled with love, financial freedom, and a dream job that allows me to change lives every single day. I created the NPTE Clinical Files podcast to give you simple, actionable strategies along with a step-by-step walkthrough of NPTE-based questions. All of this so that you can dominate your exam like I did and achieve your dream. So if you're a driven PT student who's looking to pass the NPTE and start creating a life you love, you're in the right place. Enjoy the show. For this week's clinical file, we are going to switch it up. That's right. We're going to be doing a clinical scenario today, very similar to what you're going to see on the NPTE. I'm going to walk through a clinical scenario and give you a couple questions after that pertain to the clinical scenario. And the reason why I'm doing that is the 2024 NPTEs will have these types of questions, and I can't wait to show you this new type here in a moment. Now, here's the thing. As the weeks progress, as you know, this podcast comes out every single week, and what we're going to do is mix it up for you a bit so that you're getting straight-up questions sometimes, like we have typically have done in the past, and then some of the weeks you're going to have these clinical scenarios. Keep in mind, the reason why I'm doing that is because on your NPTE, it's not going to be just straight-up clinical scenarios. You're only going to have about maybe 40 questions or so that are based on some clinical scenario. However, the remaining amount of questions, which will be closer to like the 180 range, are going to be just straight up questions, right? So you got to be ready for both types. And so we're going to make sure that every single week we're giving you a little mixed bag of these so that you are the most prepared for the NPTE. So if you're following us for the first time or if you've been a supporter for a while, just know that we are going to continue to keep you amazingly, superbly prepared for this NPTE by giving you some really tough questions and helping you solve through it. Now, here's the cool thing about this. This is what I absolutely love. You know, I've been teaching my students on how they can retain 90% of what they read, what they hear, what they look at, right? How can you do that? Most people are like, "Ah, I have a retention problem. Well, one of the amazing ways to remember like 70% of what you learn is to have a discussion about it right? And that is exactly why this podcast has been really helpful for a lot of people going into the MPTE is because what we do with these cases is we are discussing this. And so I want you to be talking back to me as we go through this, saying things out loud. If you're in the car, maybe you're on the treadmill, maybe you're cooking dinner right now, talk back to me because that allows this information to sink in deeper and just make sure that the stuff that we're learning here today, you're able to apply on the MPTE. Does that make sense? All right. So let's go ahead and get started with today's. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through 
exactly how this whole thing is going to go so that once we get down to the actual questions, it's like, you know how this works. All right. So the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through the actual clinical scenario. I have it in front of my face. The really cool thing is I expect it to be just like this on your MPTE. So we're getting an insider look right now. So I'm going to take my time through this, right? And then we're going to go through the questions afterwards. Cool. So let's break it down. In front of me, I have clinical scenario one. It starts off at the top. It says the setting is the acute care hospital. We're having a male who is 75 years of age. Again, we're in the acute care hospital. Now it says the presenting problem or current condition is the patient has been admitted following an acute ischemic stroke affecting the left middle cerebral artery. So think about that for a minute. What does that mean to you? Left middle cerebral artery. I'm thinking about the right upper extremity being more affected, the right side of the body being more affected because this is a left CVA. Let's continue forward. It says medical history. Medical history is atrial fibrillation, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, aka COPD, and osteoporosis. Keeping those in mind, that is the patient's past medical history. Now, it continues on to say other information. Medications that the patient is on is warfarin and albuterol. And the patient also lives with his wife in a single-story home with three steps leading to the front entrance. Okay, so as we stop here for a moment, we're looking at this information. Again, medications, warfarin, so we know that that's a blood thinner, and albuterol, we know that that typically is something that assists with asthma or is a bronchodilator. So keeping those things in mind, because again, our questions may be related to the medications. Don't forget, it does say here that the patient lives with their wife in a single-story home with three steps leading to the front entrance. All right, we're almost done with this clinical scenario. It goes on to say physical therapy examinations. Oh, these are the examination findings. Let's take a look. It says right-sided hemiparesis with decreased strength. Manual muscle testing is three minus out of five in the right upper and lower extremities. Okay, so I'm keeping that in mind. That's exactly what I expected, though, was for the right side to be more affected. Got it. It also says aphasia and difficulty following multi-step commands. It also goes on to say decreased right-sided sensation to light touch and proprioception. So a few different things that are very consistent with somebody who has a CVA. Keep in mind that we said before, the person had a left middle cerebral artery CVA. So the fact that they have aphasia makes a lot of sense as well. Now under physical therapy plan of care, it says none. This is the patient's first visit. Okay. So that is the clinical case. And again, this is what I expect to see on the MPT as well, where it lays out for me who the patient is, demographic information, their presenting problem, their past medical history, other information that may be important for this patient, the physical therapy examination, and then the physical therapist plan of care that has been established if there has been one. 
That's what we're given here, okay? So I know that it was quite a bit of information, and that's the reason why, for some of this, you may need to see it visually. But don't worry. I'm going to take you through this nice and slow so that we can make sure that we have the information we need to answer the question. So what I want to do right now is I just want to go down to our first question. We're going to go through two of them. I want to go through our first question, and then let's use the information that we've got from the clinical scenario. So our first question says, given the patient's medication and medical history, which complication is he at increased risk for during mobility training? All right. So think about that question for a minute. With the patient's medication and medical history, which complication is he at increased risk for during mobility training? So when we're actually moving around, getting around, doing mobility training, what are they at risk for? So let's take a look at the medication and then the medical history. So medication is warfarin. So the patient's on a blood thinner. And then we also see albuterol, the bronchodilator, right? So when I'm thinking about this, okay, patient I know is at risk for bleeding, excessive bleeding, bruising, all of those things related to more of the warfarin, okay? The other thing, as we look at the patient's medical history, it says atrial fibrillation, COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and osteoporosis. So as I'm looking at that and thinking about mobility training, what is the patient going to be at most risk for? And the patient could be at risk for like, let's say dizziness, especially if they have low O2 sats because of the COPD. So that's something. The patient could be at risk for heart palpitations. Patient could be at risk for fractures because of the osteoporosis. So these are things that are in my mind. But let's take a look at our answer choices. So the answers say, A, orthostatic hypotension. A lot of people select this answer. I get it. I get it. Let's look at B, though. B says fractures. C says respiratory distress. D says hyperkalemia. Okay. Remember the question. It says, given the patient's medication and medical history, which complication is he at increased risk for during mobility training? So specifically mobility training, what is he at risk for? So as I'm thinking about orthostatic hypotension, that makes sense if the patient's moving from, let's say, the bed to sitting, sitting to standing, something along the lines of that. That's where we'll typically see the onset of orthostatic hypotension. But, you know, here's something that I would expect with this patient. I would expect, like, if the patient is, like, in the bed a lot or bedridden or something like that, they're more at risk for it. In the clinical scenario, it doesn't say anything along the lines of that. So I'm like, orthostatic hypotension, although they may be at increased risk when they're moving from, like I said, supine to sitting or something along the lines of that, it's kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't know if that is the best answer here. All right, hold on a minute. Let's look at some other ones. B says fractures. When I'm looking at this one, I do notice that in the medical history, it says the patient does have osteoporosis. And so one of the things that I'm considering here is, well, if we're doing mobility training, we know that we're potentially loading this patient, right? And loading the bones that the patient could have a potential fracture, right? Or if the person falls, they could end up having a fracture. So that makes sense from the osteoporosis side of it. Again, I want to hold on to this. Let's take a look at other things. 
Some people put C, which was respiratory distress. But as I go up to the clinical case, it does say the patient has COPD, but it doesn't give me the specific stage. So I don't know if this is stage one COPD. If you're familiar with gold stages, that's what I'm really referring to. That's more of a lighter stage. You know, the patient doesn't have as much problems as somebody who's at more of like a gold stage four who now is at significant risk for respiratory distress. So it doesn't even tell me anything like that. And so I'm like, uh, I don't know about respiratory distress with mobility training. It's a stretch. Could it be? Yes, it could be. But I would expect to have more information in the question for me to select that one. Hyperkalemia. Where do we see hyperkalemia? What is hyperkalemia? You should be saying, well, that's increased blood potassium, right? And I would see that if I had, let's say, a medication that was a potassium-sparing drug, like a spironolactone. The patient was using that as a medication that could produce hyperkalemia. But the medications that I have are not likely to produce hyperkalemia. And I wouldn't just expect hyperkalemia with mobility training. And so, therefore, I'm going to get rid of D as in dog. I'm just going to get rid of that one. Okay? So, again... We are looking for which of the following does the patient has an increased risk during mobility training. Specifically, it says mobility training. All right. And so as I'm looking at this, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm really down to A and B. A is orthostatic hypotension. B is fractures. Which one of this patient is at increased risk for? Well, because of that medical history saying that the patient has osteoporosis, I'm like, ooh, I'm putting fractures down. They're at significant risk or increased risk for that during mobility training. I'm going to be as my final answer. Now, how could this have been different in the clinical case if they had put in here that the patient had, let's say, blood pressure problems or were on blood pressure medications that could put me in a position where I'm like, yo, orthostatic hypotension is much more likely. Also, if they had said that the patient had hypovolemia, all right, or some type of condition that was causing the blood pressure to be lower, that could also give me that extra clue that they wanted me to pick orthostatic hypertension, but they didn't. So that leaves me with fractures. Remember safety. That's a big point, big thing on the NPTE. So I'm going with B as in boy fractures. Congratulations to those of you who got this one correct. Congratulations to those of you who learned something from this question. Again, this is what I expect to see when we get our clinical cases on the NPTE. You want to do one more question? Can we do one more? All right, let's take a look at it. It says the patient is exhibiting difficulty following multi-step commands, which it does say in the clinical case. Now it says which approach would be the most appropriate when giving instructions for exercises, okay? So which approach would be the most appropriate when giving instructions for exercises? So let's go through the answer choices. A says provide written instructions with diagrams. B says, give complex multi-step verbal commands rapidly. C says, demonstrate the exercise first, then provide simple one-step commands. 
And D says, use tactile cues exclusively without any verbal instruction. So let's go up to the top here. It says the patient is exhibiting difficulty following multi-step commands. And we know that the patient has aphasia. Now notice, it doesn't tell us what type of aphasia that the patient has. It just says aphasia. Now it says, which would be the most appropriate when giving instructions for exercises, just based upon the information that we have here. So one thing that we can say for certain is if they're not able to follow multi-step commands, do we want to give multi-step commands? You should be saying, no, we want to simplify those. We want to make it easier for the person to follow. All right. So as we go through our answer choices, let's roll in and roll out. So A says provide written instructions with diagrams. All right. So we have that one. Is that something that we could potentially do? So I'm like, okay, you could potentially do this one. All right. Give complex multi-step verbal commands rapidly. Does it make sense? We see that that's a distracting answer. Let's go ahead and get rid of B. C. Demonstrate the exercise first, then provide simple one-step commands. Makes a lot of sense. We're giving the visual piece, but then we're also following it up with the verbal piece, the one-step command. Makes sense. We also simplify it a bit for the patient so we're not overloading them. So C right now makes the most sense for the patient. Let's take a look at D. D says use tactile cues, meaning... Let's put our hands on the patient, guide them exclusively without any verbal instruction. And so again here, it says in the question that the patient has aphasia, all right? It doesn't say anything more than that though. It just says the patient has aphasia with difficulty following multi-step commands. So we don't want to assume here. We don't want to add in any information. All we want to do is provide something that has the best chances of getting results for this patient. We know instead of providing multi-step commands, we want to reduce that to more of a one-step command. Instead of just doing the verbal piece, we also want to add in the visual piece. So which of these answer choices does that the best? Well, A providing written instructions with diagrams. Well, although, you know, we could potentially do that and it could work, it still is not doing what we had initially intended to do, which was to decrease the complexity of the commands that we're giving, right? So it says provide written instructions that still could be multi-commands, and so that A doesn't really make sense here, even though it does add in diagrams, which I like. Now, C, I love it because not only does it add in the visual where you're demonstrating it to the patient, but you're then providing simple one-step commands that have a higher chance of actually being more effective than those multi-step commands more effective as well than providing a document with written instructions, right? So what does that leave us with? It leaves us with C, as in cat, demonstrate the exercise first 
and then provide simple one-step commands. Again, congratulations to those of you who got this one correct. Congratulations to those of you who learned something today. This was not an easy clinical case here. This is definitely one that you want to process the information through, but make sure that when it comes down to the actual questions that you are using that clinical case in order to find yourself at the right answer. That clinical case should be used to guide you to what that right answer should be. And that's the reason why B, fractures was correct. That's the reason why C, demonstrate the exercise first and then provide one-step commands. The reason why that was the answer. Now, I know you want to get a head start on these clinical scenarios and getting to the point where you feel super confident with them. And so what we're doing is inside of our free Facebook group, we're not just going over clinical scenarios, but we're giving people the opportunity to be able to break these things down visually, all right, so that you get an opportunity to really not just get a head start over everybody else preparing for these, but you get yourself to where you feel super confident answering any type of clinical scenario question, but also any type of regular straightforward question, all right? So what you can do, join our free Facebook group right now by going to www.mptegroup.com and we're going to get you into that group, all right? Every single week, I'm in there. You can meet me. We're in there doing live trainings on this stuff right here so that you don't have to do it all by yourself, all right? So join us. That way you can get our free stuff that we have that we give out in there, but you can also participate in our free trainings. Go to www.mptegroup.com. And then we also got cheat sheets that are out there as well for those of you who are looking to study the toughest concepts in less than five minutes. Go ahead and grab those at www.mptecheatsheetswithans.com. So whether you're on Spotify, Ghana, Overbreak, Wherever you're at in podcast land, go into the show notes, click the link in there, and you can get it. Hi, this is Kyle, and thanks for downloading the podcast. I always enjoy spending this time with you, and I hope that you leave today feeling motivated and with a better understanding. Make sure to subscribe to get new mock NPTE questions each week. I deeply appreciate your support. It helps keep this mission going. And as I always say, keep learning, stay committed. I'll see you next time.